And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. Staples self destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure on Escape from 1947. Then Ezra Stone stars as Henry Aldrich on The Aldrich Family from 1948. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Hey, how's it going? I'm great. How are you? Good. Glad how to be was back uh, here. How was your week? It was good. It, it went by so fast, but yeah. I'm glad to be back in Hollywood 360. I'm trying to think. Did I call you with any emergencies I'm this sure week? I'm sure you did. Probably did. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to start things off with Escape, radio's greatest series of high adventure and mystery. Came to radio in 1947 lasted seven seasons, and William Conrad and Paul Fries were the voices of Escape. They often starred in many of the programs as well. It was a first cousin to Suspense, but didn't have the star power or budget because it had very few sponsors on Escape. I'm not sure why. It relied on radio's veteran supporting actors to star in the programs like Harry Bartell, Joseph Kearns, Ben Wright, John Daner, and others. Remember the opening, tired of the everyday grind, ever dream of a life of romantic adventure, want to get away from it all? I think everybody feels that way sometimes. Yeah, I know. Especially me. Yeah, we offer you <laughs> escape. Now, this particular episode is from a very early in the run. It's from July 7th, 1947. This is The Man Who Would Be King. It stars Raymond Lawrence. Here's part one of Escape. Escape. It's time to escape into the world of adventure. Time to forget for the next half hour the four walls of today and escape beyond the horizons of the mind to yesterday and tomorrow. CBS and its affiliated stations present Escape. Tonight we escape with Rudyard Kipling and the two gentle scoundrels he created in his immortal story, The Man Who Would Be King. The time, sometime before yesterday. The place, the north of India. The man who tells the story, Rudyard Kipling. One Saturday night, it was my unpleasant duty to put the paper to bed alone. It was a pitchy black night, as stifling as night can be in India in June. It was very still, save for the ticking of the clock above my desk which seemed to shatter the black heat of the night as the hands crept toward 3 a.m. And then from the passage outside my door, I heard voices. Open the door. Who's there? Only us. Who are you? He don't remember us, Dan. (laughs) That he don't. How could he forget having us turned back at the Jodhpur border? Told the authorities we was impersonating newspaper reporters, he did. Wait. 
That flaming red beard and that bald head. Why, why you're Daniel Dravitt and Peachy Carnahan. The same. Well, what do you want? If it's money, I haven't any. If it's a fight, it's simply too beastly hot. You can rest yourself easy, sir, because we've come asking for naught except some information. We've been all over this country... And we've concluded that India isn't big enough for such as Daniel and me. So we're going away to be kings. Kings in our own divine right. What? Aye, we shall be kings. We've signed a solemn contract. Each day up the other, and neither of us to take a look at liquor or women until we become kings. What? I've never heard of such a fantastic idea. But what is it you want of me? Nought but to look at such maps of Kafiristan as you might have about. Maps of Kafiristan? That's where we've decided to go. But don't you realize that not one single Englishman has ever gone into the Kafiristan mountains and lived to come out again? If you're really mad enough to go there, you're a good deal more likely to become dead men than kings. We shall see. Anyway, I don't believe you have the slightest intention of traveling a mile outside of Delhi. Then you should come down to the Serai marketplace in the morning. Down where the caravans leave for the north. Yes, come down to the Serai in the morning and see then if we be liars. You should not laugh at him, Saib. The witless are under the protection of Allah. Quite so, boy. Who is the fellow anyway? A mad priest, Saib, who has arrived only this morning from Ajmer. Ah, yes, Saib. Come to look at my camels, loaded with toys to please the eye of an Amir. Oh, here now. Go about your business. I haven't any use for toys. These are wondrous toys indeed, Saib. Fit for a king of Kafiristan. What? Good Lord. Daniel Dravitz. Quiet. Come along. I've two camels just beyond the wall here. The blessings of Pir Khan on the gracious Sahib, who consents to look at the poor toys of a priest from Ajmer. Over this way. Where's Carnahan? Here we are. Permit me to present my servant, Hazir Mir Khan. At your service, good man. Well, I'll be... <laughs> You're... Do you like our disguises? Do they pass? If they fool this crowd in the Serai, they're probably good enough to get you across the border and good enough to get you killed. Getting killed is no part of the contract Peachy and me drawed up. Although perhaps killing fits in with our plans in a different sense. Feel around underneath the toys there in the camel bags. What? Go ahead. Good Lord. Rifles. Twenty brand new martinis with ammunition to match. And twenty good reasons to make your death certain. Any Pathan of the hill tribes would kill his own mother to get a rifle. Now who would harm a poor mad priest, Sahib? <laughs> Allah protects me. Mad is right. Then so was Lord Clive and Rhodes and Bonaparte. Drive out the camels, Peachy. We've a long way to go before we become kings. Oh, hey. As I stood and listened to the camel bells fade away in the distance, I wondered... Wondered if it might not be a glorious thing to go to Kafiristan and be a king. Three years pass in India, much as they pass in any other land. It grows hot, then the rains come, and then the heat again. Some colonel at a hill station puts down an uprising. A new viceroy comes out from London, and the paper duly records the death of a sultan in Rajputana. 
and the trees in the courtyard grow a few feet taller. Finally, time in its circle turned up another night, much like the one three years before. Once again, I sat alone in the office, listening to the clock and waiting for some unimportant item to come over the wire from Europe. It was long after midnight when my office door slowly opened. I say, look here, you you might knock first, you know. Knock. Knock. Good Lord, man. What's wrong? I... uh, You don't know who I am, do you? No. No, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, But here, you'd better sit down, old fellow. You're in a bad way. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's a whole year I've been walking. Right here in this very office we settled it. You sitting right there and giving us the maps. <laughs> you, you've been sitting there ever since. Three years. No. Oh, No. Why, a man couldn't change that much in three years. You're not Peachy Carnahan. Uh, yes. I was king of Kafiristan. Me and Daniel Dravid. Real crown kings we was. Just as true as gospel. What in the name of heaven have they done to you, Peachy? Peachy? I, I knew Peachy Carnahan once. He's a king. Where's a real golden crown on his head? Help me, does. Hey, he's dead now, though. No, no, no. You're, you're Peachy Carnahan. You must pull yourself together, man. Yes. Pull myself. You, you've got to keep looking into my eyes. Then maybe everything will go to pieces. All right. Now, tell me what happened, Peachy. We left the caravan at Jagdala. We struck off into the hills alone. Go on. Weeks it was we traveled, Daniel and me. First there wasn't no roads, and after a while, no food. But there was always the drums. Sometimes they was close, and sometimes farther off. But most of the time, we could hear them somewhere. Oi, hop! Move along, up. Here now, there's no place to be stopping up with you. I'm fearing it's no use, Daniel. What's got into them? The poor beasts are done in and starved, same as ourselves. They'll go no further. Then we'll go on without them. I've not come this far to die on the side of a mountain. Wait. Look, Daniel. Over the edge of the rocks. What? Oh, men they are. There'll be a score or more of them. One goes ahead of the rest. And naught but bows and arrows. Break out a pair of the rifles, Peachy. Right you are, Daniel. It's now that we start to become kings. Here, here, and some cartridges too. Easy now, Peachy. I'll drop the straggler at the rear first, and then we'll lay a few at their feet. No arm to the one in front. We may need him. Now. Ah, 
flat on their blooming faces. The leader is come out alone. Well and good, and we'll go part way to meet him, Peachy, but keep your rifle by. Look at him, Daniel. He be as fair as us, with yellow hair. So he does. Part of the lost tribes, these people are. He stopped. I await your command, for ye who speak in the place of thunder. Oh, the Lord, Harry. Peachy, we're in luck. It's the old Afghan tongue he speaks. Speak up! Who are you, and whence do you come? I am High Priest, and the chief of the village of Bashkai. A journey of only a few heartbeats. This Bashkai, how many people? They are numbered in the thousands. There are more villages in the hills? More than a man has fingers and toes. Hear that, Peachy? Is our kingdom made to order. And you, you're going to take us to Bashkai. Do you understand? I understand the voice of thunder that you speak. Oh, he's a smooth one, Peachy. He knows a thing or two. <laughs> What's your name? Mazur Khan Jagdalur. That's too long. What shall we call him, Peachy? He has a look about him of an old soldier and friend of ours. Billy Fish. So he does. We bestow a new name on you. From now on, you will be Billy Fish. As you command, I obey. All right. Put this on your drums. Tell them two kings have come out from the mountaintops. Two kings that speak in words of thunder so the earth trembles. Tell them two kings have come to Kafiristan. That you, Peachy? Daniel, why be you sitting here in the dark? I've been thinking. A man has to stop and think sometimes. About anything special, Nanyan? Look at them, Peachy. Look at their blinking campfires a-gleaming in the dark like the jewels in a crown. Aye, Daniel. You've done a fine job for sure. All 23 villages you joined together as one. Tis the army you trained to be thanked for it. Two thousand men with a fair knowledge of bearing arms. Some's a bit green at it yet. They're ours now, every man, jack, woman, and child. We own them, body and soul. Aye, we're kings now, Daniel. Not proper kings yet, but we will be. Sooner than you think, Peachy. How's that? Billy Fish told me something today that fair amazed me. These people know the craft. You mean they're Freemasons, Daniel? <sighs> it ain't no wise possible. So help me, it's gospel true. He give me the grip and everything. It's old, the craft is older than the memory of man. And up here in the hills, they've been preserving it all these years. Why, some of the high priests know up through the fellow craft, but they don't know the third degree. See it, Peachy? They don't know the third degree, but we do. Daniel, what is it you're fixing to do? Do? We're going to be proper kings. We're going to get them going and coming now. I'm going to turn the whole country into one grand lodge, raise some of the priests to third degree, and for me... I'll be the Grand Master of Kafiristan. Oh, but you ain't got the right to. We never been officers in no lodge. Right. What's a king got to do with asking for a right? Oh, I'm against it, Daniel. It's no good to go fooling around with the craft. Ah, you talk like an old woman. The thing'll work. I know it will. We'll make it a blooming ceremony. Regular aprons with the symbol and the marks. All of us, Peachy. The kings of Kafiristan. Everything is prepared, Master. 
And the priests and the people wait. Well, they don't have to wait much longer, Billy. Here now, Peachy. How do you like my apron? It's a wondrous sight for fair, Daniel. Made of white ermine skin, it is. And the master's mark with emerald studded. The mark? You know the meaning of the mark? That I do. What's got into you, Billy? Not. But tis a thing that's passing strange, master. Strange and rubbish. Come along now. Ready, Peachy? Right with you, Daniel. Then out we go. Onto the temple steps. We'll give them what for. Knock their blinking eyes out. That's what we'll do. Look at them, Peachy. Right down on their blooming knees and yelling their full heads off. Oh, did I good thing to be a king, Daniel. Here now. What's wrong with the priest, Billy? It looks like trouble, Daniel. No. Stand where you are, master. They recognize the mark. That great stone in the floor. Why do they turn it over? Wait. It's the same! He bears the mark! The promised ones have gone! Speak up, Billy Fish. What's the meaning of it? See for yourself. Look. Daniel! Carved on the back of the stone. It is the master's mark, all right. And the same as the sign you wear. Only a few of the priests have known of the hidden mark on the stone. What does it mean? The many who have doubted you were a god. Doubt no longer. And you, Billy? What do you think? I, master? I think that now it is the time for these. Daniel! Golden crowns! Aye, how they glitter. Fit for the brow of a king. Tis what we came for. Here now, put them on. We'll crown ourselves in our own right. Listen to them. You know something, Peachy? We come here to be kings and that we are all right. But blamed if we ain't a couple of blooming gods to boot with a million people bowing on their knees before us. Well enough, Peachy. So it was gods you became as well as kings. But then, what happened? What became of Daniel Drabbit? Drabbit? I knew Daniel Drabbit once. He's a king now, Daniel is. Where's a golden crown? Carnahan was with him. Peachy, try to pull yourself together. I, I'll try. Now. You became kings, you and Daniel. Kings of all Kafiristan. He was a fine figure, Daniel was. With his red head wearing that golden crown. Kept himself aloof from the people, so to speak. And when he walked before the temple, the fair crawled on their stomachs to worship him. But what happened, man? Happened? Well, I figure mostly it was winter coming on. The winds were starting up, and the clouds was blowing down from the north. Oh, it could blow beastly cold, that winter wind. Hey, who's out there? 
That you, Billy? Confound it anyway. That's the first portion of Escape from 1947. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. It's very important to me to offer you the best sound quality. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, Shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and start collecting all your favorites in brilliant sound quality. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now, let's get back to Escape. Here now, what's this? Hey, I have brought you food, Master. Stew of the wire sheep with curry and rice. Up off your knees, girl. Bring it inside. Thank you, Master. Uh, Place it there. Hmm. Now, you're a well-favored wench. I do not understand. Why were you crawling on your knees? It is a fitting way to approach the god of Kafiristan. What's your name, girl? Maruma Fenja. Maruma, eh? You married? It, it has not yet been my happy fortune, ma. Are you afraid of me? You are a god. I mean, how do I seem to you? Do you find me pleasing or, or what? Your face is more wondrous than the noonday sun. And your look, the look of eagles. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, very well, you may leave now. Thank you, master. Hmm. Narrow, eh? Peachy! Peachy! Did you call in me, Daniel? Oh, the food's here, eh? Good. Mark that wind outside. Winter's about due to strike and fill the trail with snow. There'll be little moving about afore spring. Right you are. Peachy, I've decided to take a wife. But you can't do it, Daniel. We made a contract. That was till we was kings. Well, kings, we've been many months now. Oh, but it's no good. I tell you now, I, I'm against... Against it? You was against using the craft, too. But look what it done for us. Oh, but this is different. Billy Fish will tell you no, too. The same as I do. Billy Fish, huh? Who's the king here, him or me? My mind's made up. Three days from now, I shall have me a wife. And you can put it on the drums and tell every blighter out there in the hills. The kingdom of Kafiristan is going to have a queen.
What's keeping her, Peachy? They should have brought her in here half an hour ago. I don't know, Daniel. How about you, Billy Fish? You put them up to stalling off deliberate-like? Certain preparations must be made, Master. She's across the court with some of the priests. Maybe they're trying to hearten her up a bit, Daniel. She thinks she's going to die, you know. Die, indeed. Why, I'm only... Master, it is against the laws of heaven for a woman to marry a god. I'm not a god. I'm a man. You know that by now, Billy. No. And I should not want to think so, Master. But either way, this can mean only trouble. I beg you to reconsider. And I beg you to shut up, Billy. I'm through waiting. I'm going over there. Master, please. We've got to go with him, Billy. And I'm thinking it's going to mean trouble. How many men can you defend, depend on? No more than 20 with rifles. Most of my men are in Bashkai. Then what shall we do? We shall have to make a run for it, I fear. We might be safe in Bashkai. Go on now, you buckling fools. Bring out the girl. Well, that's better. Here, girl, this is no way for a bride to behave. A smile now. And give us a kiss. Oh! The wench has bitten me. Bloodbuster, don't let them see the blood. See the blood! He's not a god or a devil, but only a man! Mark Daniel, they're coming with knives. They can't do this. I'm the king. You've got to run for it, Master. Oh, come on, Daniel, come on. How much further, Billy? Uh, only short way beyond this ridge, Master. Well, so far, so good. Uh, last them blooming drums are stopped. We're at the top, Daniel. The right good climb it's been. Oh. Wait. Look. It seems the drums have come before us, Master. Cut off. No less than a thousand of them standing there quiet like. With them wicked long knives in their hands. There'll be no getting past them, Daniel. No. We are done for. Go back, Billy Fish, and take your men away with you. Go with him, Peachy. It's me they want. I did it. Me, the king. No, Dan. I'm sticking with you. Billy Fish, you clear out. I am your friend. I stay with you. You're a good man, Billy. Maybe coming now, Daniel. Peachy, forget it, Daniel. I forgive you freely and fully. Then let them come. There'll be one thing they can't change, Peachy. We've been kings. Kings in our own right. Kings of all Kapilistan. open poor Billy Fish like a blooming hell in they did. There in the snow and the rocks. Good Lord, man. But you, Peachy, you got away from them. Like nowhere did I get away from them. They had us for fair, all right. 
took me out on a tree. Drove nails right through my hands, they did. See? But I've pulled them all right. Because morning came, I wasn't no wise dead. And then I made them think I'd lost my senses. <laughs> oh, I was afraid to harm me because I was protected by Allah. They cut me down then, and after a while, they let me go. You poor devil. But what of Drabbit? What happened to Daniel? Daniel? Daniel's a king. He wears a golden crown. But now, what happened to him? He's never left me. All them long months walking on the road back, he kept me safe. The mountains, they danced at night. But Daniel held up his hands and Peachy came along, bent double. I never let go of Daniel's hand, not Daniel's hand that they gave me in the temple as a present. It's with me now, here, in this bundle. You knew old Daniel's, him that was a monarch once. Look at him now. you've seen that we was really kings. I'll be on the way. You'll, you'll pardon me, sir? I let him go. There was little else to do. He was only hours away from his death. I sat there and stared at the bundle he'd left lying on my desk. Stared as the pale shafts of dawn struck fire in the red beard. Stared at the golden crown, sitting too large and heavy upon the wrinkled, mummified head of Daniel Dravot. The man who would be king. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. Tonight's story, Rudyard Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King, was adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield and featured Raymond Lawrence as Peachy, Eric Snowden as Daniel Dravitt, and Herbert Rawlinson as Kipling. Musical effects were created and conducted by Cy Fewer. Next week, CBS and its affiliated stations invite you to escape in Operation Florida an episode from the files of the OSS. And so, good night, until a week from tonight, when again we invite you to escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. 
And that's Escape from July 7th, 1947, with The Man Who Would Be King, starring Raymond Lawrence. Also in the cast, Eric Snowden, Herbert Rawlson, and Elliot Lewis. That was a story by Rudyard Kipling. It was heard on the CBS radio network. Before we tune in to the Aldridge family, I want to remind all of our listeners that my book that I co-wrote with Martin Grams called The Top 100 Classic Radio Shows is now available at bookstores everywhere. But if you would like an autographed copy personalized to you or to whoever you want me to autograph it to, you could just go to our website, hollywood360radio.com, and there will be a pop-up that pops up. And on that pop-up, it tells you all about the book. And Lisa has one, right, Lisa? Of course I do. You love it? I love it. And I just gave one to my parents today. Oh, wow. And I have one oh, for nice. my father-in-law. So. Wow. Is that what's happening to all my books? You're just going into my... Well, I'm paying the big bucks. Oh, okay. So it's Well, okay. the book is only twenty nine ninety five, and uh, it is 225 pages. It has a two-page spread for every one of the top 100 classic radio shows like Gunsmoke, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, all your great radio shows. We've chronicled them. There's hundreds and hundreds of pictures from the period, from the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. There's also facts and trivia questions and cast lists and you name it. It has it. Also, there are three CDs that are, are included in the book, and in those three CDs are six classic radio shows. Plus, you can go to a special website and download 78 of the 100 classic radio shows. So uh, I think it's a really great value. I know people will love it. If you want to get the top 100 classic radio shows, it's available at bookstores everywhere, or you can go to our website here at Hollywood360radio.com. If you order it from me, I will personalize and autograph it for you absolutely free. All right, it is time now for the Aldridge family. This was a teenage situation comedy series, and uh, the Henry Aldridge and the Aldridge family was heard on radio scene in films and on TV and in comic books. It was created by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry Aldridge was a bumbling kid growing awkwardly into adolescence. Came to radio in 1939, as heard on NBC, and 20-something Ezra Stone played the lead role. Bobby Ellis took over in 1952. Very funny series. You're going to like this. Let's go back to October 21st, 1948, for Babysitting or Movies, starring Ezra Stone. Here's part one of The Aldrich Family. It's the Aldrich family. The Aldrich family, presented by the Jell-O family. Hey, look at that clock. It's time for... The Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! As every grown-up knows, a teenage boy never has to look around for interesting problems to solve. The problems always seem to come looking for the boy. A new one every day. So it is with Henry Aldrich. The scene opens in the Aldrich front hall. It is early evening. But Kathleen... Henry, you don't have to explain. I don't own you. Kathleen, the only reason I broke our date last night was I thought I ought to take a load off Miss Eddie's mind. 
you know, and get the difference between my subjunctive mood and my past blue perfect under my belt. You don't say. Sure. And what's Geraldine Love got to do with your past blue perfect? Oh, boy. How did you find out about her? I have my sources, Henry. I have my sources. Well, look, in connection with Geraldine, could I explain one thing, Kathleen? You really needn't bother. I don't own you. But the only reason I happened to be at her house last night was because she phoned me and said... Henry, what's your assignment, and why don't we do it together? She phoned you? Sure, and there's really no harm done. Well, we can we can see that Walter Pigeon picture tonight. We can? Sure. Don't you have to study your past blue perfect? Oh, no, I've got it down perfect. All right, Henry. But remember, I don't own you. Henry! I'm on the phone, Father. I know you are. Will you come in the living room, please? Yes, Father. Kathleen, could you hang on for just one short second? I'm hanging, Henry. Henry? I'm coming, Father. Is there something you wanted to say to I? There is. Did I hear you making plans to take Kathleen to the movies tonight? Why, if you're thinking I should be studying instead, did I tell you about Miss Eddie? She said she never saw anybody with a better grasp of his past blue perfect. I'm not referring to your past blue perfect. Dear, have you forgotten you're sitting with the Ferguson baby tonight? What, I am? Of course, you promised. Gee, I don't like to argue, Father, but no, I didn't. What your father means is he promised for you. But, Father, don't you think you should have told me before I raised Kathleen's hopes about going to the movies? Henry, I did tell you. I called to you through the bathroom door this morning. Father, I give you my word I didn't hear you. That'll teach you not to take a shower at the top of your lung. But I... Henry, you'll be getting paid 25 cents an hour. Well, who wants money? Well, I must say that's a novel attitude. Dear, the Fergusons are counting on your babysitting for them tonight so that they can play bridge with us. Well, couldn't they get someone else? Now, dear, you know sitters are almost impossible to get nowadays. But Kathleen's looking forward to seeing Walter Pigeon die twice. Twice? Sure. Once is himself and once is his son. So do you think it's fair to deprive her of an experience like that? Henry, you can go another time. But this is the last night it's playing, and, gee, right this minute, Kathleen's out there in the hall, hanging in midair. Henry, just explain the situation to her. She'll understand. There isn't a thing that can't be explained if it's done intelligently. I know, but Father... Henry, I've given my word to the Ferguson, and the least you can do is to keep it. Now, dear, hadn't you better get back to Kathleen? Yes, Mother. But, gee, I don't know how she'll take being done out of Walter Pigeon two nights in a row. I'm sure she'll survive. Hello? Kathleen? Henry, I've been thinking. Why don't we try to make the early show? In case there are some good parts we want to see over. Uh... Some good parts to see over? Well, I'll tell you... Shall I start putting on my coat? Well, Kathleen, don't you think seeing Walter Pigeon die four times in one night might be overdoing it? What's that? Well, gee, a thing like that could depress you for weeks. Henry, are you backing out again? Well, Kathleen, I'm not backing out exactly. Henry, you don't have to explain. Kathleen. I don't own you. Kathleen, it's just that I have an obligation to a member of my family. Oh. Oh, what? Oh, I understand. You do? Certainly. If your sister Mary wants you to walk her girlfriend Daisy Harper home again, why, naturally, you can't be rude. Kathleen, in connection with Daisy that night, could I explain one thing? That's all right, Henry. Maybe Charlie Clark isn't as busy tonight as you are. Charlie Clark? Now, wait a minute, Kathleen, wait a minute. Look, suppose I take another crack at my father. You mean about going to the movie? Sure. 
Gee whiz, there isn't anything that can't be explained if it's done intelligently. Sam, did Henry leave for the Fergusons yet? Yes, Alice, about ten minutes ago. Well, dear, I just want you to know I think you were right in being firm with him. Thank you, Alice. But, dear, it wasn't entirely Henry's fault he didn't hear you tell him about babysitting. We're the ones who've insisted that he take a shower every morning. No, Alice. Sam, it certainly wouldn't have hurt to let him talk, let me, let him talk you out of it, intelligently. But, dear. Why couldn't we call the Fergusons and more or less suggest that we play bridge over there? Alice, we can't do that. And besides, I gave Henry permission to get a substitute, didn't I? Well, if the Fergusons couldn't get anybody else to sit, how can Henry? Although, Sam, I think I know the very person. Who? Miss Hotchkiss. Miss Hotchkiss? You remember her, dear, the nice little girl who used to sit with Henry. Alice, that was 15 years ago. I don't think we should overlook anyone. I'll phone her. Very well, Alice, if it'll help matters. You remember our number? It's in the old address book in the telephone table here. Number, please. Uh, just a moment, operator. Let's see, Hotchkiss. Here it is. Elm 911. Elm 911. Alice. Yes, Sam? If you can't get Miss Hotchkiss, I know someone we could call. Who, dear? Hello. Hello, Miss Hotchkiss? Miss Hotchkiss? Why, yes, I used to be. You did? This is Mrs. Aldrich. Henry's mother? Yes. Well, my goodness, hello. It's been so long. How's the baby? The baby? Why, he's fine. I still have that picture you gave me of him. Oh, he looks so cute lying there on that bearskin rug. Yes. Does he still giggle when you tickle him under the chin? To tell you the truth, I don't know. Uh, the reason I called, uh, do you still do sitting? Oh, yes, but it's with my own baby now. You're married? Congratulations. When did it happen? Oh, ten years ago. Do you have another baby, Mrs. Aldrich? Oh, no, we stopped with Henry. It, it's for a friend. Well, I know somebody who might possibly be interested. You do? Although I'm not sure she's free tonight. Well, if she is, would you send it to Mrs. Ferguson, 97 Cedar Road? All right, but don't count on it, Mrs. Aldrich. Goodbye. Goodbye. Can't you come, Alice? No, Sam, and she didn't sound too encouraging about getting anybody else. In that case, let me have the phone. Number, please. Elm 227. Elm 227. Sam, why are you calling my sister Harriet? She's always said Henry is her favorite nephew. Now's a good time for her to prove it. Hello? Hello there, Harriet. This is Sam. It is? Well, hello. Hello. Sam who? <laughs> Sam Aldrich, your brother-in-law. Oh, that's Sam. Yes? Uh, Harriet, uh, Harriet, we have a bit of a problem. Yes? Yes. Uh, you see, we invited Mr. and Mrs. Ferguson to play bridge tonight, and, uh, well, I was wondering if you could help out. I'd be glad. To. You would? Of course, my bridge isn't as good as my casino, but I'll do the best I can. What's that? My goodness, do you realize this is the first time you've invited me to one of your bridge evenings since you got married? Harriet. I'll be dressed and over there before you know it. Goodbye. Harriet, wait. You don't understand. Harriet? Well, that's a fine thing. Sam, is she going to do it? No. And Alice, where can we dig up three more hands? That's the first portion of the Aldridge family. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time it's the conclusion to the Aldridge family from 1948. Then it's my favorite detective series of all time, Boston Blackie. You won't want to miss it. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360. Hollywood 360. 